Hello and welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And uh, we're back to our fortnightly schedule, which if you don't know why we're doing that, you should go back and listen to last week's episode. Sorry, last fortnight's episode. God, it's going to take some time to get used to. Um, we made it. We made it almost a minute. Um. <laughs> uh, but I guess if you didn't listen to last fortnight's episode, the quick summary is we're going back to our fortnightly uh, schedule, which means last fortnight, I recommended you, Elliot, and you, audience, a movie called Prisoners, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Um yeah. You don't need to go back and listen to it if you don't want to. We'll talk about it right here, right now. Yep. That's your cue, Elliot. And, You're and on. Yeah, so that's, that's, yep, that's my cue. Okay. <laughs> um, so usually we do a plot summary here, but I actually I had a bit of trouble putting together a plot summary for this movie mm. because it either felt way too detailed mm. or it's so kind of high level that it's kind of pointless because it's not going to make any sense if you haven't seen the movie anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's basically uh, Hugh Jackman is um, a, a guy and his daughter and uh, his, you know her best friend get sort of kidnapped and somehow Hugh Jackman is still the bad guy. Um, mm. Well, he, <laughs> <laughs> I think he, Hugh Jackman's character, I think his name is Kellen, Kellen Dover. Um his character does a lot of bad things. So his character kind of finds this suspect that he wholeheartedly believes is responsible for the disappearance of, of these two girls and then um, abducts him and starts torturing him to try and torture the information of where the two girls are out of him, which is yeah. not a great thing to do for a human being. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. as I was sort of watching this movie, part of me was thinking that like the the genesis for this film was like, a bunch of people sitting down together and it was like, how could we make a movie about a guy whose daughter gets kidnapped and he's still the bad guy? Because <laughs> he gets pretty close um, to sort of taking that role. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's I guess it's one of those movies where, you know, everyone's sort of a character. There's not really good guys and bad guys, but they're, yeah. they're certainly not great people for the for There's the really part. only one... There's one clear-cut villain in the movie, and they only really shot for about two or three minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Once for for one small scene, and then at the very end, when you know everything is kind of falling into place. Yeah, um, but anyway, so so I guess the plot summary would be: yeah, Hugh Jackman is is torturing this suspect who, um, you know, is he's convinced, but it it doesn't really seem that likely that they did it. And then Jake mm. uh, Gyllenhaal is being a detective and actually solving the case and yep. not just torturing people. Um, <laughs> As any good and, detective should. Uh, and then towards the end, they both kind of solve it roughly at the same time. Hugh Jackman wins by a little bit, but he's unsuccessful at doing anything about it. Uh, so Jake Gyllenhaal actually saves the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so it's a movie that... Something that I quite like about this movie actually is... Um, you, we as the audience are only ever as sure of what's going on as, you know, the, Hugh Jackman's character or or the detective for most of the part. Um, yeah, no, definitely. It's not one of those films where where you, you know, because I, I wasn't even able to pick it. Like, you know, probably about 10 times throughout the movie, I was like, no, nah, it's it's that person or it's, yeah, yeah like, um, you know, early in the film, there's the, the, the dead guy they find under the um, priest's house. Yeah. And for a long time, I suspected that, 
you know, it was the priest or that guy or that guy's like real son. Uh, yeah, I was very confused, and it kept mm. me, it kept me as confused as the characters were. Yeah, which is which like is... a really like difficult thing to do, really. And it's something that works just to the strength of this movie because there are parts where this primary suspect, there are parts where his character will like say something offhandedly that seems to indicate to both us, the audience, and to Hugh Jackman that he's definitely the killer. Um, like he, he says at one point, he says, they only cried when I left them. He kind of whispers this to Hugh Jackman and yeah. no one else hears it. And it's it's this strong piece of evidence that Hugh Jackman is like sure that they've kidnapped the girls or... Um, <laughs> the 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 character's walking his dog and starts whistling or singing Jingle Bells Batman Smells which uh, which one of the girls was singing when they went missing just before they went missing yeah um and uh, so like, we it, as the it, audience are we're like following Hugh Jackman's train of thought like oh this is definitely the guy and then we're following his kind of as the doubt creeps into our mind as the audience it, the doubt is also obviously creeping into Hugh Jackman's mind and so it's very much asking us as the audience to, to kind of buy into what Hugh Jackman is doing. And it, it plays with the the kind of role of, of putting the audience in this situation in a really interesting way, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, and I mean, because obviously there's the whole thing where like, even even if he was right and it was that kid, like what he did was still not okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he still obviously like... crossed a line so, <laughs> so much. Uh, uh, but it, it, The actor is Paul it, Dano, by the way. I just looked it up. That's what I was thinking of. Paul Dano, who plays the the suspect. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the other, like, I, I was actually really fascinated by, so one of the things, like, Hugh Jackman, very early on after he kidnaps, kidnaps his kid, is he goes and gets the dad of the other missing girl, who's, like, one of his mm. friends, mm. and basically, like, peer pressures this dude into helping him torture the kid. Yeah. Into going and, along with the whole thing, right? Yeah, and, and it's so painful to watch this guy who's clearly uncomfortable and is basically trying to figure out how he can get out of it without pissing Hugh Jackman off because it's pretty clear he's not a guy you want to get on the wrong side of, like yeah. case in point. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I think to an extent also this other character is meant to be a bit of an audience surrogate, right? Where yeah, a little bit. his daughter is missing. And so Hugh Jackman's character is understandable what he's doing, but is a villain, clearly, is a bad dude. Yeah. Um driven by the love of his family, sure, but still crosses a line that we as audience members know that you shouldn't cross. But then this other character is like kind of brought in and his daughter is also missing. And so he goes along with it, kind of coerced, kind of not coerced, kind of like, Well, it's like he has to be sold on it and he's not comfortable with it, but also his daughter's missing. So it's like he, it's easier to sort of push him over the edge a bit uh, is the impression I got. Yeah, and, and I, that's why I really like the construction of this movie is you get so, I don't know, as the audience, you kind of just feel gross for for buying into Hugh Jackman's point of view a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and they do they do such a good job of establishing Hugh Jackman, like right at the start, uh, where the movie opens with him sort of saying the, the Lord's Prayer as he shoots mm. a deer or, or gets his son to shoot the deer. Um mm. And then on the drive home, he just, you know, starts spouting all of this, like, uh, you know, libertarian survivalist stuff. So it, like, immediately <laughs> establishes him as sort of somebody who has a distrust for authority and bureaucracy and is, like, you know, a, a yeah. do-it-yourself kind of guy. Yeah. And and also kind of establishes, you know, he, he shoots this animal, he's, he's teaching his son to hunt, and his son is uncomfortable with this, you know. 
Um, yeah. And then there's the other parts where Hugh Jackman has like a like a basement workshop with a bunch of power tools and stuff, and he's he's very, he's like I mean, apocalypse. rightfully guarded about letting the kids down there because it's dangerous. But <laughs> it it kind of sets him up as this kind of I don't know, not not psychopathic, but like definitely. Um, definitely violent tendency kind of guy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A bit of a chaotic factor in some ways. Um, Out for him and his uh, first and foremost is is sort of one of the things they they address as well about Mm. his character. Um, I I thought it was really interesting. I was a little disappointed his wife, uh, the mother, didn't get that much screen time because she was kind Mm. of fascinating. Like she kind of you know went had a complete meltdown once their daughter mm-hmm. got taken but um i i was interested in her because it was pretty clear that what she liked about hugh jackman's character was she was clearly somebody who felt vulnerable a lot of the time mm-hmm. and he made her feel safe because of how you know sort of do everything himself he was yeah and he, that, he's and that this kind of, of he's, he's this handyman kind of machismo type right yeah, exactly, and and you know he was always like, oh, "I'll protect you," and blah blah blah, because that's that's his whole sort of thing, and mm. that whole that whole concept was shattered for her when the daughter got taken, and it would have been interesting to see a bit more on how she was actually coping with all that because she didn't really get much time on the screen in the end. Yeah, I I think it's it's probably a fair criticism of this movie to say that. It's a it's a character study of Hugh Jackman and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's characters m- more than anything, and so the yeah. wife's relevance is you know to be there as the the humanizing factor for Hugh, Hugh Jackman, and I think she delivers a line at some point when she's kind of mid breakdown to him that's something like you said you were going to protect us, <laughs> yeah, and and this is clearly like a driving point for Hugh Jackman like oh I've I've failed I need to make this right myself if the detective isn't going to do enough for it you know yeah exactly whereas to me that that line just made me more interested in her and like what mm. her psychology was and how she was doing and yeah anyway um but no like overall um the the character study stuff was really good I liked Jake Gyllenhaal's character as well um we haven't really talked about him because he's pretty much like a, a almost a separate storyline <laughs> Uh, really, uh, I mean, he, yeah. he they overlap, but uh, he's he's got all his own stuff happening. But like his, you know, detectiving was was really fun to watch, and um, mm. how he operates with everyone because he was like a, a really good detective, but having to deal with difficult people like Hugh Jackman. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it it actually reminds me of one of my other favorite movies, um, Zodiac, where Jake Gyllenhaal plays not a detective but a. Uh, like a, a reporter who who's trying to track down this serial killer. And Jake Gyllenhaal just plays this character of like figuring out clues and going to talk to, to witnesses. And he plays this kind of cop character so well. This, this is one of the movies that, that, um, that really makes me fall in love with him as an actor. It's just how well he plays this role. So it, it was funny. I, I had a little bit of the opposite sort of thing. Uh, the I, I watched Nightcrawler recently, and that was the only film mm. I'd seen with him in it recently. And mm. so it took me about 15 minutes uh, in, into the film before I could shake the image of him as like a creepy serial killer because he did such, <laughs> did such a good job in Nightcrawler that it actually stuck with me for, yeah. for a fair segment of this film. Well, I guess that's the mark of a good actor, right? Um, yeah. Now we got to see what it's like, and he's he's the he's the villain in the the next Spider Man movie, so that's going to be interesting oh, to say the least. 
Yeah, yeah, he's playing, I don't know who he's playing, Mysterio maybe? Anyway, look, enough Spider-Man talk, <laughs> Elliot, come on. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I, well, so I, I just want to say, because the other thing that I think defines this film, um, mm. like, so I've seen Sicario and, and Arrival as well, and they're both, or all three of them are just very tense films. Like, it, mm. you kind of like, once the movie's over, there's just this sense of, oh, I can finally relax now. Um, all three <laughs> of them sort of keep you, he does a very good job of just sort of never quite letting your tension go. Um, yeah. And, and in particular, I noticed um, in this film, he, he'd cut between scenes and just have like a really long, sort of still shot of a house or, or the forest or something. And, and the camera would like maybe zoom or pan like a little bit. And there'd just be like this sort of tense music underneath it. And you're just thinking, oh shit, what's about to happen? And then it was just kind of a normal scene, but just sort of between every scene, he made sure that he didn't let you relax. <laughs> you, you never quite get back down to zero. Yeah. 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 I, it's something that I, I really like about him as a director. I think, um, with with this movie and with um, Sicario, they're they're such kind of I don't know if bleak is the right word, but I'm going to use it like bleak kind of dour stories. And so the fact that they're tense makes so much sense. And then um, Arrival is like you know it's 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 tense, but it's this completely different <laughs> kind of tone. But it, he still manages to keep this suspense and tension so 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 finely tuned. It's not always ratcheted up, but it. it comes in in perfect kind of waves to to keep you engaged i think it's yeah exactly it's not it's not too intense like it's not it's not sort of overloading you but it it never lets you drop too far down like he always keeps you you know some somewhere uh above zero yeah yeah definitely it's yeah um what do you think of the 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 look of the movie because that's something else i find always enjoyable about about denis villeneuve movies is they always just manage to look beautiful yeah he did a great job there's one scene where it transitions from raining to to snowing Mm. um it was really well shot in fact i think i looked it up afterwards and and the movie won the the academy award for cinematography in the year it came out and that Mm. uh, i'm pretty sure anyway and that it makes sense if it did um it was was really well shot (laughs) and if it didn't it's an outrage (laughs) uh yeah yeah there were lots of there were lots of great Sort of things and yeah the the transition to sort of as the movie was going things kept getting more and more frozen and snowy and that mm. that sort of transition i'm only just realizing now was sort of happening in the background and kind of making things because because one of the recurring themes in the in the film is people constantly updating on how long the girls have been missing and yeah. how bad that is for the chances of their survival yeah, I think it's it's a movie that does really well with its tones and with its with its themes. Um, it's not telling too grand of a story, but it's telling a story that fits very neatly within its box and it's just very well put together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I I would say this was my like favorite of the three movies that I've seen um, of Sicario, Arrival, and and this one. Yeah, mm, yeah, interesting. Um, I mean, Arrival was good up until the end. I hated the ending, but that's 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 a whole separate thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then Sicario, I remember I liked it, but I honestly don't remember that much about it. And it's been a few years now, so I can't talk about that one too uh, concretely. But I, well, I remember liking it, but not as much as I really enjoyed this one. 
Sicario 2 has just come out, except Denis Villeneuve isn't attached, and from what I hear, it's turned it from a, a story about Emily Blunt being this female cop in a very, like, macho, masculine drug enforcement squad to just an action movie, which is a bit weird. <laughs> but, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. Gotta, uh, gotta milk the money out of it, I suppose. One of those things where they just sort of completely missed the point of why <laughs> the first one was successful. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah cool so yeah let's let's wrap it up then give me your overall thoughts yeah i mean this was really good um i i enjoyed pretty much every minute of it except there's one minute where jake gyllenhaal was driving with a head wound to save the girl that scene lost me um because it was a bit ridiculous that they didn't crash and die Mm. um but apart from that i I loved the rest of the movie so that was like one bad minute out of like 150 minutes that's pretty good so it's so that's 149 out of 149 out of 50 (laughs) (laughs) um we're changing the scale this year that's another it's minutes based (laughs) uh no so i i'd give this one a like a a nine or a 9.5 it's 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 hard to it's hard to do movies sometimes for me Mm. i don't know also Mm. i kept like i noticed last year i I gave Hunt for the Wilder People like a seven or a seven and a half and I'd only watched it the night before and then like sitting on it like, you know, like a month later, I was like, nah, that was better than that. So yeah. I'm, I'm tentatively giving this one a nine, but I find often with these movies, I I want to come back to it like a few weeks later and, and sort of reevaluate it mm. depending on how it sticks with you. So I'll, I'll say nine for now. All but right. Yeah. Nine out of ten. Um. I think it's worth pointing out that one of his other movies, Enemy, that we haven't talked about, also starring Jake Gyllenhaal, is also a pretty great movie. I didn't like it as much as Prisoners, but if you did like uh, Prisoners, maybe you should check out Enemy. It's a bit of a weird one. Bit, bit. It's very kind of, I would call it a bit, uh, not avant-garde, but definitely edging into this kind of, <laughs> a movie that needs to be interpreted kind of thing. Okay. Um, but it's a fun movie, very well acted and obviously masterful uh, work of tension um but yeah i guess nine out of ten prisoners we'll we'll leave it there now yeah elliot new format that means we need to do our uh, prescription for next fortnight and we're set yeah. week again <laughs> uh yeah so that's so that's me and this week i'm bringing everyone uh the x files it's a little Never known show uh yeah i thought i'd keep up the sort of pseudo tradition i have going of of opening up with science fiction tv shows (laughs) Uh, i'm sure the audience appreciates it (laughs) uh well i mean if they're still here by now then they can't hate it um Mm, otherwise they would have left already uh yeah so obviously i mean i I don't really need to give you the basics of the x-files i think it's Mm. it's permeated pop culture enough that you you understand the general idea it's like the X Men, um, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the because this is really the granddaddy of of the whole monster of the week with an overarching yeah. plot uh, genre. Like, yeah, so I mean, things like Fringe and Supernatural. Yeah. Uh, Buffy, I mean, it's, presumably. Yeah, yeah, Buffy. Yeah, I mean, it. It's kind of like Friends in a way. Uh, like Friends sort of redefined the whole sitcom genre and X-Files did the same thing with, uh, you know, sort of supernatural based sci-fi stuff. Mm. Um, but I mean, you know, I'd say unlike friends, um, X-Files has aged pretty well. Uh, like I actually, (laughs) I only got into it three, three or four years ago and I sort of marathoned the whole thing. I'm, 
I wouldn't say I'm driven by nostalgia. Mm. Uh, this is something I watched okay. after shows like Fringe and, and Supernatural, um, and, and I still enjoyed it. It's definitely, it's strongest at the start. This is actually, well, kind of like most of these shows, like Supernatural and Fringe, for example, uh, start mm. off really strong and then slowly d- deteriorate. I think that's um, when their, their concept is the strongest, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and X-Files is kind of, uh, aided by the fact that it came first in that regard. So it, it's for like, it's sort of concept is just the whole concept of monster of the week. Mm. So it's yeah. got a lot more freedom, whereas things like supernatural and fringe kind of had to find a niche, uh, to yeah, justify sure. existing after X-Files. X-Files gets to yeah. do basically whatever it wants. Cause it was first. And that freedom really helps, uh, all the various sort of monster of the week episodes really stand out and have variety. Okay. Um, so just cause you hear about X-Files a lot, obviously it's quite in the, you know, in the pop culture eye, in the zeitgeist, but yeah, I, I don't think I hear a lot about why people like it beyond the fact that, oh, it's this great show from however many years ago, you should check it out. So what is it about yeah. it that when you found it or when you started it three years ago really kind of grabbed you? Yeah, so definitely like one of the driving things, it's a show that's really defined by its two main characters, like Mulder mm. and, and Scully. Mm. Um, their Their sort of dynamic is just so simple and and fun to watch so scully's this you know science scientist who's a skeptic and Mulder believes in just about everything and uh you know so it's sort of every episode is is um has these undertones of those two sort of fighting between you know is this a scientific thing is this supernatural it's almost always Mm. supernatural because it's x-files um But uh, yeah, it's definitely those two characters drive it a lot, um, and yeah. it, it's just um, it's well written. I, I guess like it, it's it, almost every episode, uh, especially from the first few seasons, is just um, you know just great to watch. I guess like I went and rewatched the pilot for this, and and I'm probably going to end up watching a bit more over the next two weeks now. <laughs> Uh, well, let's cause... let's see who can get through the most of it over the next two weeks. <laughs> no, that's not going to be a healthy competition. Um, well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess the only other thing I'd, I sort of wanted to bring up is uh, the show was sort of revived uh, a couple of years mm. ago and they started doing some yeah. more episodes. Um, uh, so as I said, the show kind of got really, really terrible towards the end of its run and the new seasons kind of exemplify everything that was wrong with the late show, but also everything that was great with the original. Oh, um, okay. Which is the the overarching sort of mythology of the X-Files just completely went to shit uh, after about seasons four, four or so. Yeah. But the Monster of the Week episodes stay quality, and so it's actually the Monster of the Week episodes in these new seasons are fantastic, and there's really one in particular that I thought uh, towards the end of the two weeks it'd be worth you just sort of skipping ahead because – it'll give us something to talk about uh, in terms of how the show jumped forward into the, you know, 21st century. Okay. Um, so which, which episode is it? Yeah. So it's, it's called season 10, episode three. Uh, it's called Mulder and Scully meet the Wear monster. And it stars, <laughs> okay. uh, guest stars, Reese Darby and Kumail Nagiani. Oh, interesting. Um, Good guest stars. So it's, it's a, it's a lighthearted uh, comedy relief sort of episode, but it's absolutely fantastic. So I'd recommend yeah. everyone, you know, sort of regardless of where you get up to, it's a very self-contained Monster of the Week episode. So I, I'd encourage you to just sort of jump ahead and give that one a watch uh, so we can talk about it in two weeks. Yeah, all right. Let's do it. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess that's... 
That's me. I guess that's us for the fortnight. Um, so we'll be back in two weeks to talk about the start of the X-Files and then that one specific episode. <laughs> um, remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook if you want to interact with the show. If you'd like to help us out, you could also leave us a review on iTunes, which we would really appreciate. Um, our website, MediaMTPodcast.com, has links to do all of those things I just mentioned, as well as links to our past episodes, past discussion threads, ways to contact us, and all of our previous clues for the Media MD ARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why his kids so lost. Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Fingernail. Fingernail. And we will see you next fortnight. Fortnight.